0: Today with Catherine Ruinala, I said, you know, there's so many red herrings around at the moment, but we've got to be really careful. And so, and we looked up, where did this meaning red herrings come from? People talk about red herrings all the time, and when she looked it up, it was actually um, a training tool that they would use for hunting dogs. So, hunting dogs have to get on the scent and go after what they're trained and their their mission is to go after. And they would use these smoked red herrings, which are pungent, really strong smell, to to try to get them to get off the scent and see if they would, you know, to test them to see if they would leave the scent and go after the stronger smell, the the pungent aroma of the smoked red herring. And the idea was to, to teach them not to go after that but to stay on task stay on mission and i just really believe we need to be really careful right now to keep our eyes on what god is doing and what god is saying because there are, if we if we're not focused then we will miss what he's doing god is asking us to give our eyes and our attention our heart to him his heart is that we would love him hallelujah so father we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do and Lord we ask for more You said to ask for rain in the time of rain. So, Lord, we're asking for more. We're asking for rain. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome your presence. We give you glory. We give you honour and we give you praise. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Who saw the storm last night? We sat out the back and watched the lightning and the thunder. And I couldn't help but worship. And as I'm listening to this lightning and thunder, it's getting closer your heart sort of starts to beat. Like, oh, I wonder if you should go inside. Oh, we can stay a bit longer. You know, anybody else like to storm watch? But when it's really intense storm, and it was pretty intense storm last night, um, you know, your heart goes a bit fast when there's the thunder booming and the lightning. And the Bible says that there is a storm all around him, lightning and thunder in the throne room. And I wondered... I wonder what it's like, God, if if our hearts race in a natural storm and can't help but worship God, what will it be like? Hallelujah. You know, I, I've been seeking the Lord as to what to share with you today, and I believe the Holy Spirit's giving us a word and asking for our attention. We've been in uh, looking in Hosea, the book of Hosea, And I just want to start there again uh, today. Thank you, Father, for your presence. You know, I sat down this morning when I woke up and I read through the whole book of Hosea. And this is a fascinating story. This prophet was told to go and marry a prostitute and that she would be unfaithful to him, but marry her anyway as a prophetic sign ...of God and his people. And sure enough, he marries her. They've got, they have kids and she runs off after all the other lovers. And she gets um, uh, bound to another man. And the Lord tells Hosea, go and buy her back. Go and pay whatever needs to be paid to set her free and bring her back. And so he goes and he pays For her to be set free from that other man's service so that she could come back and be his bride. And that's a picture for us of what Jesus has done for us. He came and He gave His life for people who, who were unfaithful, for people who didn't love Him back. But he just gave himself. He gave, he, came, he gave his whole life. He didn't pay a sum. He paid the ultimate price. He came and gave his life. And the language that I've been seeing all the way through the scripture has just been hitting my heart so deeply. The passionate heart of love that God has for people. His longing for people. The whole essence of this entire book, the Bible, is about God wanting you and I to love him back. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? In, Mat- in Matthew 22, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your, all your soul and all your mind. Sometimes when you're reading the Old Testament, you can get this impression that God is demanding. Yes, this is what you need to do. And yes, this is what you need to do. But his heart isn't coming as a controller his heart is coming as a lover. His heart is coming as a parent that ah oh, longs for his people. Let's have a look again in Hosea chapter 6. Some wonderful verses, and yet you can read the whole chapter. But verse 4, it says this, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? For your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. Verse 6, he says, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I shared last week, I was so struck by the New American Standards rendering of this verse, because I'm so used to my new King James, Carsten and I have a a thing, he likes the New New American Standard. I'm beginning to really enjoy it. I'm, I'm learning to like it. Hallelujah. But I thought, why have they translated this word loyalty when the New King James translates it mercy? Because mercy and loyalty are just two very different words. So looking it up in the Hebrew, I was really fascinated by it. It's translated kindness by implication towards God. Mercy, kindness, loyalty towards God. It's like, what, what do you mean God. And you can hear the heart of the Father here saying, My desire is that you would love me, that you would have mercy on my deep longing for your loyalty, for your love. I am a jealous God. But when he says he's a jealous God, it's not in a negative sense, it's a I love you and everything in me. The thing I want more than any sacrifice you could possibly bring me is your heart. I desire that you would have kindness toward me. And you can hear the heart of God, not a demanding dictator, but Ah, have mercy on me. My heart is breaking for you. If you have a look in, in chapter 11, he's speaking about Israel in verse 1 of chapter 11. He says, When Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. You might remember that verse from... Uh, in the New Testament when they're referring to Jesus. The more they called them, speaking of the prophets, the more they went from them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and kept burning incense to idols. In other words, the more the prophets called to them to come back to me, the more they went after, after idols. Yet it is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of a man and with bonds of love, and I became to them as one who lifts the yoke from their jaws, and I bent down and fed them. Verse 7, so my people are bent on turning from me. Though they call them to the one on high, none at all exalts him. This is what I love, verse 8. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Adama, and how can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger nor destroy Ephraim again. For I am, a, I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar and his sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt. And like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. Can you hear the emotion in the heart of the Father? Remember Jesus standing, looking at Jerusalem, saying, Oh, Jeru, Jeru, how I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. The heart, the breaking heart of God is his continuous cry, Love me, love me. On um, Thursday night, I was I was thinking about some issues and situations, and I was I was a bit concerned that people might be upset about something or uh, something that we'd done. and And I was thinking about it, and I suddenly heard the Lord speak to me, cut through my thoughts. I wasn't praying; I was just worrying, and He cut through my thoughts, and He said, "I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about tomorrow night." I was like, oh, tomorrow's going to be good. Well, that's interesting, God. And then on Friday, I was asking what are you? what are you excited about, God? He said, they're going to come and worship me. They're going to come and love me. You see, we get this concept of God. And, and he is God who needs nothing, but we get this idea that he, he's somehow unknowable. Yet he says you and I are created in his image and you and I have been given emotion because he has emotion, deep, deep emotion, fiery, passionate emotion. His eyes blaze like fire. It's not just a technical thing that happens. They blaze with a fiery passion. A fiery love, a love for us like we have never understood. We pray in Ephesians chapter 3. You know, it's one of my favorite prayers. Lord, give it, strengthen us with might in our inner being that we may know be able to comprehend together with all the saints Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth the love of God that passes knowledge and we pray that but I tell you as God is answering that prayer in a continuous way we I'm beginning to recognize the fear of God that comes along with this this love is not just a nice thing it's Holy and fiery and ferocious and glorious. Hallelujah. For I desire loyalty more than sacrifice. I desire kindness toward me, more than sacrifice. As you read through the scripture, you see, um, you see it here, you see it all the way through the Word of God, You see, Jesus saying again, this is the greatest commandment repeated throughout the, the Gospels. This is the foremost, greatest, most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Love me. This is what the Lord is saying. Love me, love me, love me. And then... In the epistles, we see it again really clearly, the command, the fiery need, the desire of God, the call of God for us to love him. I shared from um, the parable of the sheep and the goats uh, recently, and then, and then Jesus speaking and saying, many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not done miracles in your name, prophesied in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. When you look at that word, it's actually about being entwined with God. It's about being, having a heart connection with God. God's desire is that we would know him, that we would know him, we would discover him, that we would walk with him in a way that he has captured our hearts and that we give him our love. That is our highest calling. That is our greatest thing. And then I was reading... What struck me was a pretty heavy scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And, you know, I love the benedictions where Paul signs off and we often finish church with a benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and forevermore. Beautiful benedictions. And here's the benediction at the end of 1 Corinthians Verse 21, this greeting is in my own hand, Paul. So here comes the benediction. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. Imagine if I finish off the benediction like that. (laughs) What? If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. Maranatha, what does Maranatha mean? Anybody know? means our Lord comes or our Lord is coming or if you look at if you look at the, the latter meaning of it, it's our Lord is coming and he will judge those who've set him at nought Our glorious God, you see, he loves with such a fiery passion. His desire is that you would love him back because this whole story of redemption, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He paid the price, hoping that you would exercise your own free will to love him back. That we would have the glorious good news ending of, instead of unrequited love, we'd have... God getting the reward of his suffering. The reward of his suffering is your love. Is people loving him back. His people, the ones he's created in his image, which is human beings, his reward is that you would love him back. Hallelujah. And then today as I was praying, I, I felt the Lord actually speak from Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. And I believe it's a word for the new year, for, for 2022. And Isaiah 22, 22 says this. It's, a, it's about the key of David. I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. That same key of David's referred to again in Revelation chapter 3. In the message to Philadelphia... Philadelphia is one of only two churches that don't actually receive a rebuke. (laughs) It's it's interesting. And here it is in, in Revelation, that same reference to the key of David. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens, says this. I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those that are of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie and I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you've kept the word of my perseverance, I will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come on the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The key of David. What is the key of David? You study it out, nobody comes to a clear conclusion, but I think it's fairly obvious. As I'm doing my slow walk through the Psalms, the thing that David had was he loved the Lord, he is God. He loved the Lord, his God, even though he sinned and made messes. He was honored. He was the one that was was designated as David. In, In David's line will come the Messiah. David, the house of David. David, the key of David. David's key. I love you. Help. I love you. 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 And this is the heart of God. He's crying out, love me back. I want you to have the key of David. The key of David is what's going to open doors that no one can shut. Those who love me. Those who will love me back. You know, as I've been thinking about this and meditating on it, it's changed my time alone with the Lord. Because instead of going and thinking, oh, yes, it's good for me to have some time with the Lord, I'm recognizing with a holy fear, this is what I have been purchased for. I've been purchased to love you. I hear your your call to love you. So, Lord, I love you. Help me to love you more. Help me, God. I love you, God. And as you get honest with him and you give him your love, this is, this is it. This is the key of David. This is the oil that will keep the fire burning. This is the, this is the fire of his love. This is what will impact you. And this is how you keep it burning if you will love him back. You can have a look anywhere pretty much in the Psalms and discover it. But Psalm 31 verse 23. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. Over and over again, you hear David urging people, Oh, love the Lord. Love the Lord. He is worthy. And he had, he had this connection with God where he knew, this one thing I know, God is for me. God is on my side. God is for me. Who can be against me? He knew it because he had a love relationship with his father. In his glory, in his light, we see light. God wants to release the spirit of glory, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the whole sevenfold uh, manifestation of the spirit of God. He wants us to be overwhelmed in our pursuit of him. Seek the Lord and then you will find him. Psalm 45, I just will finish on. I shared a bit of this on Friday night. And it's a fascinating psalm because it really is a picture of intimacy, identity, and increase, which is our core values for Glory City. It starts off My heart overflows with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. I, I memorised it in the NIV when I was a child. Uh, 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 that um, My heart is stirred by a noble theme. A noble theme. What is this noble theme? It's a wedding song. It's a beautiful wedding song. But it's more than just a wedding song for Solomon and his bride. It's a picture of Christ and his bride and the longing in the heart of God for his bride. But it starts off with a with, um, description of the majesty and the splendor of the king. And that's why we start worshipping God, declaring his majesty and his goodness, because out of that, we recognise how wonderful he is. And as we get wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, Ephesians 1, we begin to understand the hope of our calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in us, the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. I remember when I was just 23 years old and I had... uh, Jess was just a baby and when she'd be asleep during the day, have her sleep, I'd pray. And I remember one day being on the floor groaning in intercession and I just had a vision. And I saw people and I saw them actually just walking blindly off a cliff. And I saw, I turned and I saw the face of Jesus and his, his eyes Undid me. There was such deep grief in his face. And then I saw myself calling out to these people and telling them, "Hey, hey!" The message of salvation. But I'll never forget the look of grief on the face of Jesus. Like we we get this idea that somehow, oh well, I'll give it a shot. Hopefully, somebody will get saved. But if we understood. Now imagine, I say it like this, imagine if you had a child that had been abducted at birth and somebody on the street one day, you spent everything you had to try and find this child and then one day someone on the street said they saw your child, this person who doesn't even know you exist but, but you've been looking for your whole life. And imagine if they said, oh, I didn't, I didn't tell them that you were looking for them because I, um, you know, I didn't want to embarrass them Or, <sighs> As a parent, uh, you, can a woman forget her child or have not compassion on the son of her womb, the scripture says? Surely they may forget, but I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You see, if we understood how much he cares, if we understood that, like, you can hear his heart here in Hosea, can I just forget you? Can I just let you go? I can't.